Welcome to the Journal.ie's The Explainer. This episode is brought to you by our investigative platform Noteworthy, where we carry out journalistic projects based on ideas sent to us by the public. I'm Susan Daly, and we kicked off the new year by publishing an investigation on Noteworthy and the journal into private Irish pension funds and their relationship with companies involved in fossil fuels. That investigation was carried out by Lauren Boland, climate reporter at the journal. Now in 2019, Ireland's Climate Action Plan detailed an action which was to tackle this issue, and this action was marked as complete in a progress update report, but as we found out, it was never actually introduced or resolved. So what happened? Well, I'm joined today by reporter Lauren and also Kieran Hughes, a financial advisor at Ethico, an ethical investment company. Thank you both so much for coming on to the podcast. Lauren, before we delve into your findings in this investigation, we're all familiar with the term fossil fuels and we're really familiar with their impact on the environmental and climate health of the world. But how do they fit into this story about where our pension funds are invested? Fossil fuels, and by that we're talking about the likes of oil, coal, gas, are a primary driver of climate change. And we're understanding more and more the steps to circumvent the climate crisis and shifting away from fossil fuel extraction and combustion is a major part of that. But some of the largest companies in the world are in the business of fossil fuels. And when pension managers are building investment portfolios, fossil fuels can feature strongly in those. This can be through investment in fossil companies themselves directly, such as BP or Exxon or Gazprom or any number of others, or in companies that are linked to the industry in a more adjacent way, so say such as aviation. And that's why two things that on the surface seem very separate, pensions and fossil fuels, can actually be linked on quite a large scale. Now, Lauren, your article particularly focused on that 2019 Climate Action Plan that I mentioned at the top of the episode and very specifically what's in there to address pensions. Could you tell us a bit about that and how the Noteworthy team really got involved on that? So one goal in the 2019 Climate Action Plan, Action 12, was to consider how a new requirement could be placed on pension providers to give savers more information on whether their money was invested in fossil fuels and also to provide clearer options for alternatives. And there was a deadline of quarter four of 2019 set for that. And in a progress update report that was published since, that was marked off as complete. However, the noteworthy team noticed that no new requirement seemed to have materialised. And the team wanted to investigate what happened to Action 12, whether people do have clear information about where their pension is invested and how straightforward or difficult is it to invest sustainably. Now, Kieran, as someone who works in this industry every day, you would be a lot more au fait than the average person who might be paying into a pension about how common it is for pensions to invest funds in fossil fuels. Is it common? It is, to be fair. I mean, you have to understand when... uh, uh, an investment manager goes out to the world with your pot of money to invest it. Their number one goal is to make you money initially, but also to diversify it to reduce risk. And by diversifying, they generally invest in every industry. Now, if you're going to invest in every industry, you're inevitably going to end up with some money in energy. Um, and, and that's a lot of where the fossil fuels is sitting. So unless it's a fund specifically says it's going to exclude uh, fossil fuels or, or any other thing, you can make the assumption that it'll have at least some 
uh, energy stocks or fossil fuel companies uh, in there in order to make uh, money for your for your retirement. Well, that's interesting. So more people are becoming conscious about their impact on the climate and seeing how that actually creeps into every part of your life. And this is including in the pension funds. And as Kieran, you're saying there how those funds may or may not be contributing to that problem may be of more interest. And we are talking about private pensions here because, Lauren, as far as I know, the state has divested away already from investing in funds that deal with fossil fuels. Is that correct? So, yeah, the there was legislation on this a few years back and, and you have as well the, the Irish Strategic Investment Fund, which created a whole list, uh, an, an exclusion list of, of companies that it identified that were falling short, say, of certain criteria. Um, so I suppose there is that movement on a national level, but in terms of private pension providers, um, it's 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 quite a slow mover. Um, I spoke to some companies in Ireland providing pensions as part of this investigation. Um, most of them are quite hesitant. Most of them are actually quite difficult to get a hold of and quite hesitant to to discuss the issue and provided responses to questions about their sustainability quite vaguely, maybe focusing a little bit more on their plans for the future as opposed to what they've already done or, or are doing right now. Right. And this is why the 2019 plan wanted to see a stricter requirement on pension providers, but that didn't materialise. So I want you to tell us about your investigation and what you found out around that. So through access to information on the environment requests, AIE requests, we uncovered an unpublished report and emails and documents within the Department of Employment Affairs and Social Protection, which is the department that was assigned responsibility for this action in the plan. And there was a working group that was tasked with examining Action 12 that met twice in 2019. But before it ever met, there were internal preliminary considerations in the department that had effectively dismissed the action as it was envisioned by the plan. So this unpublished report is what was reported upon um, by Noteworthy and the journal. And you can go and look at that there. That's very stark. And Kieran, before Lauren talks about what then did happen to that action, why is transparency important for sustainable investing, do you find? Transparency is key uh, because as investors or advisors to investors, we have to fully understand what's in the pot in order to be able to decide comparatively to its peers whether something is uh, sustainable or not, whether an investment is sustainable or not. It's becoming easier over time as the complex world of reporting, uh, more and more uh, regulation is coming from, from Europe all the time. You know, the, the EU taxonomy, the SFDR and the CSRD is in the pipeline again, not to go jargon heavy, but companies will have to report more on their uh, environmental and sustainability uh, outcomes, as in what their targets are for the future, etc. as well. So we can start to see, to get a closer look as we move forward and then put those various companies or investments into different funds. Uh, and then those funds themselves can start to be labelled as well. Uh, comparatively. So it's all about comparing to the benchmark or comparing against traditional investing. I think what we have to be careful about is in the search for perfection, um, because perfection is the enemy of good or, or whatever that saying is, right? If if you move in the right direction, it's far better than, than doing nothing. So traditional investing versus sustainable investing is just to be to move in the right direction and to be better than it was before, if, if that makes sense. Lauren, in the interest then of transparency and moving forward in this, you know, the progress that government and the state were hoping to make, 
Will you tell us what was happening behind the scenes that led to the action around fossil fuels being kind of effectively dismissed, or at least that's what this unpublished report seems to be implying? The Climate Action Plan, it specifically called for consideration of a new requirement that could be placed on pension providers. And you had the working group that was formed to examine that with members from the Social Protection Department, also the Department of Finance and the Pensions Authority. And before that working group met, the Department of Social Protection sent an internal note to within the department, um, which stated that a policy pursuing the disclosure of fossil fuel assets alone was not prudent, given sort of a market standard that looks more generally at greenhouse gas emissions as opposed to fossil fuel specifically. And the department said that it felt a policy that pursues disclosure of fossil fuel assets alone raised a number of issues. And Lauren, then with that position kind of clear in their heads, what happened when the working group actually met? So the position of the Department of Social Protection wasn't shared with the working group before its first meeting. There was a separate document called a handout that had been prepared for members that were coming in from other departments uh, separately to the note that was distributed to members within the Department of Social Protection. So there was different information among the different members going in. um, But after the first meeting, that position that had been developed by the Department of Social Protection became the headline theme of the work on Action 12. So, for example, an email in November between the group's first and second meetings, which was written by the assistant principal officer, who was largely responsible for coordinating the department's work on this, said that some proposals had already been agreed at that point, including considering Action 12 in what they called broader terms than fossil fuel disclosure. So essentially all it took to go from a climate action plan, which called for consideration of a new requirement on pension providers to give savers more information on whether their money was invested in fossil fuels and options for alternatives, to a decision there would be no specific new requirement introduced by the Irish government, was that preliminary research and consideration among civil servants and a two-hour meeting. And Lauren, you would have asked the Department of Employment Affairs and Social Protection about that. And what did they say? I asked the department about the action being described as not prudent before the working group had ever met, which is the language that was used in that briefing note. And a spokesperson for the department in response said that it does not agree with the assertion that a position had been reached on Action 12, positioning fossil fuel disclosure alone as not prudent prior to the first meeting of the working group. It said they were preliminary considerations and so it was entirely appropriate that they could contain comments, deliberations and considerations and relevant matters. And if listeners are interested in seeing the the full text of the the emails that were being sent within the department um, and also the full response from the department, um, they can find all of those in the, uh, the, the article on the Noteworthy website. That's great, Lauren, and it is a a useful resource because these are not your words. These are the words that were in that report. And what they're saying is, no, we haven't made our mind up, essentially. Kieran, going back to the current situation, if someone decides they do want to invest their pension sustainably, and I think a lot of people do, how difficult or straightforward is it for them to do that? Um, I think as an individual, it's it's getting better. So what I mean by that is individual pensions. You know, if you're the master of your own destiny, you can choose whether you go to service provider A, B, C or D. And they will be pitching for your business eventually um, based on what sustainable funds they have. Now, it is difficult to get 
clarity and, and everyone has great websites and they all have wonderful um, marketing teams, etc. So you do have to watch out for greenwashing. Um, so I'd say the best thing to do is find an independent financial advisor who can, who can direct you, who has experience with um, sustainable investing and, and ESG, etc. to know uh, what they're talking about. But essentially, if you're the decision maker, uh, it's, it's an awful lot easier because you can essentially move your money from service provider A to service provider B because you think they have a more genuine or legitimate sustainable fund. The difficulty can arise for people who are in company pension schemes, whereby they're not actually the decision maker as to where the money is invested. You could be in a company with a thousand people and the decision maker there is the, you know, CFO, maybe the CEO, maybe, you know, board of trustees, and they'll decide we're going with service provider A, and these are the five funds you can choose from. Now, if you're an employee in that company pension scheme, you don't really get a choice, right? Because you can't opt out because you lose the employer's contribution to your pot, but then you can't, and you can't go anywhere else. You're kind of stuck with what you have. So it, the onus is really on those decision makers uh, in positions of um, of power, essentially, um, to, to skill themselves up on sustainability and the importance of it from an investment perspective. And it is all go and all change in the pension landscape in Ireland. It is going to look a bit different in coming years, Lauren, with the introduction of that automatic enrolment scheme. Did the working group make any recommendations relating to that scheme? Because presumably that's going to bring a lot more people into the private pension sort of scope and field. It did. So it made three proposals on the auto-enrolment programme. The first was that in developing the programme, the Central Processing Authority should consider including sustainable investment principles in the design of funds. The second was that disclosure requirements for ESG integration in investment and risk management processes should be considered for all funds that would participate in the programme. And the third was that options to include environmentally conscious funds should be considered as part of the evolving design of the programme and in the context of EU legislative requirements as those changed as well. Now, that was back in 2019. And in March 2022, when the government published the design principles for this automatic enrollment system, it didn't contain any mention of either the climate or of fossil fuels. Uh, it's a 50-page document, and in those 50 pages, it makes only one reference to ESG, which is in a short bulletin point about the role of registered providers to say that they would offer investment products in compliance with CPA standards, which will include specific ethical slash ESG criteria. So I asked the Department of Social Protection about how climate and sustainability would be incorporated into the auto-enrollment scheme to check in in case there were any further plans or, or information beyond what was in those design principles. But that was the text that they pointed me back to. And they said that ESG will be a factor considered by the Central Processing Authority in the procurement of investment managers to support the default fund and other funds to be offered within auto-enrollment. So essentially that we have this design these design principles for the auto-enrollment programme, but it is very skint on detail compared to what that report of the working group back in 2019 was envisioning. Yeah, so, you know, great, lots of theory and what we should do, but what we will do might be different. Kieran, I'm going to pick your professional brains on this, your expertise. What do you expect to see to happen in the area of fossil fuels and pensions in Ireland in, in the next few important years? And also if there's something that other countries are ahead of us on that we could learn from. 
Yeah, it's difficult. I suppose whenever I'm put on the spot to ask to make a prediction, I'm always hesitant as a, as a financial advisor. We don't predict the future. Um, we, we just prepare for it, you know. So, but with that said, I mean, think, I think what we can see is the general direction that the tide is flowing here, you know. I mean, uh, regulation on one side of the house is getting stronger and stronger, particularly in the EU. Um, and, and that's what governs, you know, the, 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 in Ireland here. So we will see more and more reporting requirements. We're also going to see probably a bottom-up led demand um, whereby there's a generational change coming and an awareness coming from younger generations who will be um, incrementally coming through every year. I mean, there's going to be a change, a generational change. So the decision makers about the investments of capital over time is going to change. And I mean, I think it's fair to say that the younger generations have uh, generally speaking, a, a better understanding of the risks that the climate risks and some of the social risks that they face in future um, and that the money that they have invested in their pension pots for the future can have a big impact on, on the future that waits for them after 40 years service or more, if that makes sense. So um, specific changes, yeah, I mean, more broadly speaking, you're, you're going to see uh, as renewable energy gets cheaper per unit, you will see a move away from fossil fuels because it's one thing to move because you feel you want to do it. It's for the right thing. It's a completely different driver. If you change your mind about what you buy based on price, you could argue that price is a much stronger. So if I'm going to power my motorbike or my house, or I'm going to power whatever it is I'm going to power, if renewable energy becomes cheaper per unit, I'm going to shift. And that's going to spell big trouble for the larger fossil fuel companies because essentially it becomes too expensive and it gets left in the ground. Um, that's a big win for climate. That's how long that will take. I don't know, but that seems to be the direction of travel. Um, and fundamentally, I, I think just socially, like many other things in the past, like the smoking ban or, or various things around plastic bags, etc., it just becomes socially unacceptable to invest in these negative industries without any engagement, without any stewardship. And we will see a change over time. Uh, and it is incremental. But as I said, the direction of travel is, is in the right direction. Thanks for those insights, Kieran. Lauren, thinking about the future from a climate perspective, the Irish state and of course the EU more broadly have significant emissions reductions targets that we have to reach by 2030 and 2050. Now, in Ireland, the intended roadmap for making those targets are the Climate Action Plans and the 2023 plan was published recently. Does that include anything linked to what we've been talking about today? No. So there is nothing in the 2023 plan about pensions and fossil fuels, and nor was there in the 2021 plan, which is the only plan that was published in between that 2019 one and this most recent one in 2023. And... When that 2021 plan was being prepared, emails between the Department of Social Protection and the Pensions Authority showed that the topic was briefly discussed of whether something should be included in the new plan. But there was an agreement that no further action needed to be raised. And that's despite some of the recommendations of the 2019 working group not truly being fully realised. I'm going to take a little step to the side here just for a moment with Kieran because we've talked about divestment here and we're very concerned about it not really happening and it not being directed enough by the government. But divestment itself from fossil fuel companies just going, we're just not dealing with them anymore. 
Are there any downsides to that? And is there perhaps something that we need to consider? Um, and this is in fairness to the state or a, a transition away or towards a different future. Kieran, you might let us know a little bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, look, the deeper in the weeds you get on this stuff, um, the more and more obvious it becomes that maybe divestment isn't the answer. And I appreciate that that's not the narrative of the article or what we're chatting about here today. And so maybe just as a, an explainer to you guys or whatever, like, okay, I just want to take an example of one large oil company, for example. And let's say if I divest from it in my pension and you divest from it in yours and then the person down the road divests in it, what actually happens is the share price gets cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. So therefore somebody else buys it, but is managing to buy a share because that company still makes profit, right? Is able to buy that share cheaper and cheaper and cheaper because there's less demand for it uh, from the mainstream. So the difficulty with divestment is it makes you feel better as an individual that you are not investing in this negative industry. The difficulty is though that somebody else will step in and take your place. Now, that person might be a petrochemical government like Saudi Arabia, it might be the Chinese, it might be someone else. But fundamentally, if you no longer own the share, you can feel good that there may be an element of ostrich involved there where you're sticking the head in the sand. The carbon doesn't go away just because you don't own it. On the flip side, uh, what we are seeing more of and what I'm more hopeful about is active engagement. And active engagement from fund managers is where they take an active ownership role as shareholders. Don't forget that when you buy a share, albeit through your pension or any other way, you are becoming an owner of that company. When you own a company, you can have an insight in how it's run. So via your pension manager, and there are funds out there that do this, you can invest in all aspects of an economy and then they will have uh, an impact on how those companies are run by taking meetings, engaging with them, voting for or against the board, replacing board members, replacing CEOs, so that these companies do make a transition, a fair transition over time to achieve their climate and social goals. And you've done that by active ownership. So it's the case of, do you want to be inside the tent or outside the tent? Thanks to Lauren and Kiron for joining me today. It seems the question of pension funds investing in fossil fuels is one that has been largely put to the side by the government for now. But as we've heard, as people become increasingly concerned about the climate and the directions in which their money is funded, it may be only a matter of time before the issue becomes a much larger public discussion that will have to be responded to. You have been listening to The Explainer, brought to you by Noteworthy.ie. It was produced by Laura Byrne. If you want to learn more about our work at Noteworthy and how we source our stories from you, our readers and listeners, head to our site at noteworthy.ie and sign up to our newsletter, which gives you an insider look at the latest investigations by visiting noteworthy.ie forward slash newsletter. Thanks for having us and see you next time.